Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. So I'm Lou. I've been a part of Vineyard 61 Church for over four years now. Um, I was a part of the Battersea launch team, so it's been really exciting to be here with you from the start. Um, yeah, I just I love this place. I love that we're all family. It's just really, really special. Um, I don't know what you guys did with your day yesterday, but I really miss pets. I really miss not having a pet in London. So um, my friend was out and she said, you can go over and hang with the cat if you like. So I went over to my friend's house instead of going for brunch and hung with a cat for three hours and it was great. It was so great. I'm not a cat person. I'm definitely a dog person and I'm allergic to cats so I had to take antihistamines. This is how desperate I was for a a pet cuddle, but it was great. Um, So yes, today I am here and I am continuing on with our series about prayer. So we kicked off 2020 looking at the Bible and then we shifted focus to look at prayer. And today I get the absolute privilege of looking at prayer as intercession. Now prayer as intercession, it's an incredible tool, prayer, that God has given us to be able to partner with him. And it's something I'm personally really passionate about. It's something God has been talking to me about for the last few years. I've been journeying with him. Um, And we only have a little bit of time this morning. So guys, just allow God to whet your appetite. If you, um, if you, if this is new to you, if you've never heard about prayer as intercession, then Yes, you get to hear about it today. If you feel like you are already experts and are like so so keen on prayers intercession already, great. Let God stir your heart a little bit more and go out there and do some research. There's amazing, there's amazing books, there's amazing tools. Um, and the best thing is just to do it, to learn. That's what I did. So yeah, let's just allow Jesus to come and stir us in this time. I'm going to pray to start. Oh, so yeah, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we get to gather here this morning. Father, thank you for the, yeah, the gift of prayer that we can have this direct interaction with you. And I pray for each of us here. Um, we welcome what you have for us this morning. So I pray that we would um, posture our hearts in a way to receive what it is that you have for each of us. We love you, Jesus. This is why we're here. We're here for you. So come and have your way, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So prayer as intercession. Who feels like they've prayed in a way of intercession or been involved with intercessory prayer before? Put your hands up. Uh, Amazing, amazing. Okay, when looking at the definition of intercession, the word intercession, it says the action of intervening on behalf of of another. The action of saying a prayer on behalf of another. So the concept of the word intercession can be summarized as mediating, going between, pleading for one another, representing one party to another. Intercession, it happens all the time in our day-to-day. It happens in our courts with lawyers, um, interceding for clients. It happens in um, work meetings, in businesses where different people go between, um, representing one to another. There's nothing spiritual about the word intercession as such. But when we speak about intercession in terms of Christianity, it's often spoke about in regards to prayer. 
Now, in the amazing book by Benny Johnson called The Happy Intercessor, definitely get a get a copy and read it because it's really good. Um, she says her personal definition for intercess, inter, being an intercessor is capturing the heartbeat of heaven and declaring or praying that into my world, into her world. It's true agreement with heaven. So intercessory prayer, in essence, it's praying on behalf of another. It's standing in the gap. It's seeking, pleading, and asking on someone else's behalf. So if we look at this really helpful triangle, we will see um, these are different types of prayer. So the up prayer is pointing upwards, and that's about adoration and worship. So that's primarily our adoration and worship that's directed at God for who he is, up prayer. Now, at the side, there's contemplative prayer, and that is often about beholding God and can result in deep internal reflections about our relationship with God in prayer. And then the other is intercession, intercession prayer, other prayer. Um, it's for other people, other situations, other circumstances. So this is the outward, outward focus of prayer. Okay, so for those of you who will know me, you'll know that I just love to pray, but it's not always been the case. I actually learned to pray in Ibiza with 24-7 prayer. Yes, Ibiza, the Spanish party island. Um, and as quite a new Christian, I headed out there in 2011 with 24-7 prayer. Now, for people who don't know, 24-7 prayer is an amazing um, prayer organization where it starts hubs and um, community hubs around the world in different places. And it looks at what that community needs. So Ibiza, being a party island, it was its help that was needed was like very practical. So we would work at night and we would, um, if people couldn't walk because they consumed too much alcohol, taken too many drugs, we'd pop them in a wheelchair and we'd take them back to their hotels. We would help people stay safe. If taxis wouldn't take them, we'd put them in a vomit van and drive them back. Um, yes, it was, it was great. And of course, being 24-7 prayer, there was a lot of prayer involved. Um, and I learned, I soon learned being a part of 24-7 prayer, the importance of prayer, that before doing anything, you should pray. So the main work we do is at nighttime between half 11 and four, five in the morning. And we'll gather at the prayer room. We'll pray and worship for half an hour together. There'll be about 20 of us. And then we split into two halves. Now one half, they stay in the prayer room and they pray. And this is to breathe God in. This is to um, listen for what his heart is for that night. What is happening out in the West End in that moment? Um, and to pray and declare. Whilst the other half, they go out onto the West End. They minister to people. They share his love. They offer to pray and they help people home. And every hour we swap over. And I really learned the power of prayer because you're praying such a lot. You see things happen such a lot. Now, being a new Christian and going out for the first time, that I heard that you had to make four to five verbal contributions every hour in this prayer room. And that absolutely scared me. I soon learned to know that actually at three to four in the morning, um, you really need this rule because there's no good having an, an hour of silence um, because it's either going to really drag or everyone's going to fall to sleep. <laughs> so yeah, I soon learned to kick fear in the face um, and give my prayers as an offering to Jesus, not worrying about what other people would, would say. 
Um, and I've had the most incredible moments of my life in that prayer room. For a start, I learned that prayer really works. Um, that God has given us this incredible tool to be able to partner with him to see change and transformation in people, communities, and situations around us. Now, in the prayer room, we are often praying the same prayer over and over again, night after night. I mean, you're there year after year for six months, and there's only so much you can pray, right? But there's so much power in partitioning, in relentlessly praying, in saying, Lord, we are not giving up until we see more of your kingdom come. Yeah, so cool. Um, and in, in Ephesians 6, 18, it says, pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And I could tell you about the, um, the endless answers to prayer that we saw, friends being supernaturally um, reunited when, when it was disastrous. They just arrived, they packed their bags, um, left, them, left them in the hotel, they'd rushed out, they had no idea where they were staying, they'd lost their friends, but all of a sudden, friends are reunited, and people supernaturally sobering up, knees getting healed. I saw loads of knees this summer getting healed. Um, just so many, so many stories. But I want to tell you about Jack, a guy called Jack, who I, who I um, got to meet this summer. So I was walking along on my hour out, um, and I saw Jack, and Jack was, um, on, he was face down on the ground, and he had drunk too much. So I went over to him, I gave him a bottle of water, and I wiped his face. Um, and after a few minutes, he was alert, he'd sobered up. It was, it was really great, because then it meant we could spend the next hour just chatting, hearing about some of his story. Um, and as we had that time, he opened up about, um, about his past, about how actually a few days before, he'd actually tried to kill himself. He tried to jump out of a moving car because he no longer wanted to live. He shared about trauma from his childhood, um, how he had been abused, how someone in his family had kept saying, you're not worth anything, you're gonna go to hell. You're not worth anything, you're gonna go to hell. So he was believing all this horrendous stuff and he didn't wanna live, so I listened. And then we were like, I was like, Jack, can we pray? And he was like, yes. So we, we were sat there in this puddle of sick, <laughs> and we prayed, we prayed. And then after we prayed, he looked at me, and he was like, can I pray? And I was like, yes. So then he prayed this most beautiful, heart-wrenching prayer. He was so honest before God, it really challenged me. Am I that honest before God? But he just, he just poured it all out. Um, and it was this, this beautiful moment. Anyway, we said our goodbyes, and... Um, we went back to the prayer room, um, and we were, I was able to share. We just met this guy called Jack. He's suffering with mental health problems, he, um, with suicidal thoughts. And we, we literally, we all stood up, and for the next hour, we just prayed. We prayed for Jack, and we prayed for other people out in the West End that were going through similar things, that were battling things with their minds. And we just declared freedom over the people out that night. And because we're praying so much, we often have the privilege of engaging in conversations like that. Because we're praying so much, there's such an openness with people. God softens people's hearts, and it's so precious. 
Anyway, a few more, a few more summers back in Ibiza, um, and I moved to London at the end of 2015. I'd seen God in a move in Ibiza. I'd experienced him answering prayers. I'd seen his power, but I was hungry to see it in my city, the place where I was living. And so I set out prayer walking Soho. I would do the same prayer walk um, every Friday afternoon, going and standing outside the same sex shops, going and standing outside the same strip clubs, the brothels on the same street corners. Um, yeah, and I would just, I would just uh, speak words of life and love and transformation and hope. And I would dream with God's eyes, God, what is, what is your plan for this place, knowing that the best was yet to come? And God has taught me so much about his heart for the streets and for the people by just being there, by engaging with him, with, by connecting with him. And it was so cool because after 18 months, we actually got access into three of these strip clubs. And we now go in on a Thursday as chaplains. We sit in the changing rooms. We take in chocolate brownies and cookies. And we get to pray with the girls. We get to, um, yeah, just share life with them. And again, I could tell you so many stories of seeing God on the move in these clubs. Um, of, yeah, relationship just being built up, of answers to prayer, of healings. I prayed, um, last month I prayed for a girl who had a bad knee, and I did the vineyard thing where you say, on a scale of one to ten, what is the pain? And she said, seven. So I prayed, and then after I said, what's the pain now? And she said, oh, it's lovely. <laughs> And that was, that was really cool because it came off the back of her hearing me pray for another woman. And at the end of that prayer, she said, excuse me, uh, I just heard everything that you prayed. And it was the best prayer I've ever heard. For a moment, I was like, ooh. Um, it, was, it, was, it was really quiet in there that night. So I was really aware when I was praying. But, and then I was like, I can pray for you too. And she was like, okay. So it was great. So I got to pray for her on the back of that. And God is just doing incredible stuff, incredible stuff. Um, but it was all birthed through prayer. Week after week, walking those streets, allowing our words to be inspired to create new life, um, open doors, access, hungry hearts, the relentlessness of saying we are not giving up until we see your kingdom come, but the absolute fun of dreaming for the best yet to come, his redemptive plan here on earth being worked out through us. And what I love about prayer is that what you find yourself praying into, well, you know that God is already on the move in that place because it's only on your heart, because it's already on his heart. There's something so beautiful about allowing the Father to fuel intercession through us, yoking his heart to ours, yoking our heart to his Intercession, after all, it's simply caring for people. It's seeing the world around us and not being satisfied. You walk the streets in Ibiza after being in his holy presence in the prayer room. You see people stumbling around from inhaling too much laughing gas. You see girls and guys passed out on the floor. You see um, women in prostitution dragging off men, often stealing their phones and money before handing them back to us and saying, 24-7, you help them now. And you know that these women are having to do horrendous acts for barely any money. How can you be satisfied with what you see? How can you not be stirred and allow that stirring to release in you a desire to intercede for change, for more of God's kingdom to come?
It's about staying connected to him, slowing down enough to see the world through Jesus' eyes, letting him fuel inside of us a heart of intercession. Now, intercessory prayer is basically the call of Christian life, and it's throughout the whole Bible. Now, we're going to look at the book of Esther, which is found in the Old Testament. And Esther is such a beautiful example of intercession on behalf of another. The story is a great reminder to us of how God uses us wherever he has placed us. So know that wherever you are now, that God has placed you there. Um, Esther is a story of God's sovereignty and provision for his people. God knows what's going to happen, um, and he will, he will provide for his people. Now, that's usually the message, the main message we get from Esther. However, I believe there's something a lot deeper going on here. If we look at Esther's story in relation to the gospel, we see a picture of what Jesus has done for us. And in a moment when we walk through um, the book, we'll see that Esther needed to be saved. She needed someone to stand. um, She needed, yeah, the... The Jews needed someone to stand in the place before the king, someone to intercede on on their behalf. And likewise, all of humanity, we need to be saved. We need someone to stand in our place um, for us. And so, yeah, Esther read in light of the gospel. We'll see how God saves his people through intercession, through someone standing in their place, which is Jesus. Someone standing in our place, Jesus. Okay, so let me walk us through the story of Esther. So Esther was a Jew, she was an orphan, she, um, she was a virgin, and she was beautiful. She gets drawn into a find the, find the queen pageant in Persia. She was raised by her cousin Mordecai, and he says to her, don't tell anyone about your gr- background, don't let anyone know, because in the kingdom you are the least of the least. Um, but God would have it that Esther would win favor um, in the palace, and in time she wins favor with the Jew. Um, she wins favor with the king, and she becomes queen of all of Persia. Now, one of the king's officials, a guy called Haman, he hated the Jews, and at this point of the story, he concocts a plan and gets the king to sign off, basically on a death warrant to kill all of the Jews. Now, Mordecai hears about the plan, and he goes to Esther. Um, and he says, you've got to do something about this. You've got to, you've got to stop, stop what's going to happen. But Esther's like, are you kidding me? I can't, go to the, I can't go to the king. Like, who am I? Like, who am I? I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. But Mordecai speaks words of courage to her. And these words of courage rise up enough in her for her to think, maybe I can. Maybe I can say something. So they agree to pray and fast for a few days. And then after three days, she goes along to the king. Now in Persia, it was law that if you went to the king without invitation and he refused to see you, that the penalty was death. And she hadn't actually been to see the king for a month. So it was risky. But she goes to the king, and he shows her great favor. Um, And he says, Esther, what can I do for you? Um, And Esther's like, I would like to invite you to a party. So he agreed. Him and Haman, they went along to a party. And at the party, um, he says, Esther, what can I do for you? And she was like, I would like to invite you to another party. She knew how to win the king's heart. So they both... 
the king and Haman went along to another party. And it was at this party when the king said, what can I do? She actually, she exposed Haman's plot to kill all of the Jews. She pleaded for the survival of her people. And the king showed her great mercy. He actually executed Haman instead of the Jews, which is incredible. It's this remarkable moment where one individual that society at the time probably deemed as insignificant, nothing, a nobody, but yet she changes, she, this one woman, she changes the entire course of a nation. And I believe that the story of Esther is an incredible platform for us to look at what it means to be the people of God what it means for us to do the unthinkable, the unstoppable. And no matter what your background or where you're from, no matter your experiences, God has put you on this planet to do something remarkable. If you're alive, if you have a pulse, then he has destiny for you. So that is all of us, all of us. When we put ourselves in the position of the Jews, we can see the message of the gospel more clearly. We need someone to approach um, the throne of our Lord, and that someone needs to be more than a subject. They need to have favor and good standing with the king, and they need to be willing to risk their life to help us. Now, the Jews had Esther. She had been brought by God into the household, um, and she had been granted favor with the king. So God had planned this out perfectly. She was the queen. She was loved. She was chosen by the king. But Esther was a Jew, so she could empathize with the Jewish people. Um, but as a member of the royal family, she could approach the king on, on their behalf. Now, we have Jesus, a better Esther, so to speak. And the book of Hebrews talks about Jesus being a great high priest. Now, the role of the high priest was to intercede for the sins of the people. They were qualified to stand um, before God and plead with him. Jesus came into our world and he took our place in his life, death, and resurrection. In Hebrews 2.17, it says that we were that he was made like us in every respect so that he could empathize with our situation. Jesus sees us on our way to deserved death and he has compassion. But because he is also God himself, Jesus can stand before God and beg for our lives. Then later on in Hebrews 7, it says that Jesus always lives to intercede for those who draw near to him. Like Esther, Jesus saves the people of God by going to the king on their behalf through intercession. And just when looking at this over the last few weeks, it's just baffled my mind that Jesus, not only did he intercede on earth for us, his whole life as a, a ministry of intercession for us, but he's also interceding on the right hand of the Father right now. I'm just like, wow, I don't think I'd really realize that to the extent of how incredible it is. Um, but yeah, like many, many other stories in the Old Testament, Esther, ultimately, she shows a picture of Jesus. In this story, we see how God saves his people through Esther's intercession. She was the only one willing to approach the king and risk her life. She, stand, she stood in the place um, of the Jews and she pleaded for their salvation. She risked her life so that they might live. And through Esther's intercession, they were saved. And now Jesus gives up his life so that we might live. And it's only because Jesus stands before God, he stood before God on our behalf and interceded for us that we can be saved. Now Jesus laid, it, laid his life down on the cross 
um, his death conquering all, the ultimate act of intercession so that we could be saved and now step into this intimate relationship with the Father. Now, if we know how much um, Jesus gave up, how he stood in the gap for us and what he did, how much more does it make us now want to stand in the gap for others, knowing how powerful intercession can be, knowing that when we partner with God, our words can bring change and transformation. How much does that create in us a desire to want to pray for people and situations and circumstances before us? So know that just as God positioned Esther Um, to be queen, where has he positioned you? Where has he placed you? Where has he positioned us? Because know that that is exactly where you are meant to be. And yes, he will use you exactly where you are. And all he needs is a yes, a willing yes. So a few years ago, I was working as a nanny um, and I would go every Thursday to visit this family. And one day I arrived and the mum wasn't feeling very well. So she was, she was at home and she went up to have a lie down. And when I um, had put the little boy to bed for his lunchtime nap, my job now was to go outside and play, for the dog, play with the dog for two hours. So I got the tennis racket and I got the ball and I headed out to the tennis courts with the dog. Um, but God had really laid this mum on my heart. And I suddenly had this really strong desire to want to pray for her, to want to see her healed. Um, so I spent the two hours um, praying and declaring life and thanking God for positioning me here and thanking God. God, just for his goodness, that his goodness would come, that he would bring healing to this mum. And as I was praying, I was playing with the dog, I was playing tennis, and probably looking crazy, but it was all okay. Um, And then I finished praying, it was end of the two hours, so I went back inside. Um, And the mum came down the stairs, and I said, how are you doing? And she said, I'm better. I feel, I feel great. And I, cu- I couldn't believe it. Now, this mum didn't know I was a Christian um, yet. I was biding my time. And, um, and they also had no, they'd never been to church. They had no connection to any faith-based, anything, religion. So, but she said, um, I woke up and the first thing I thought was, I bet Lou's prayed for me. And I screeched and was like, ah, I've just, pre- I've just spent two hours praying for you. And we both stood in this holy moment, tears rolling down our faces, like feeling the presence of God. Um, and Jesus had laid this mum on my heart so I could stand in the gap for her and intercede through prayer to see her healed. And so and there's so much joy when something like that happens. There's so much joy, isn't there? Um, and then a couple of years, a couple of years ago from now as well, um, my sister she just graduated and she started teaching at a school as a newly qualified teacher. Um, and God, re- one day when she was at church, God really laid the head teacher of the school on her heart. And she suddenly had this immense love for this man. She'd barely talking to him, like there's no way that he would have really known her name. Um, but she. She was like, she knew that God had put this man on her heart for a reason, so she started to pray for this man. And then she um, would follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit over this next year. And one of the things God encouraged her to do was to gather the few Christians that were at the school um, and to form an early morning prayer group. So once a week, they would meet together and they would intentionally pray for the teachers of the school to come to know how loved they were by Jesus. Um, and then he w- God also encouraged her to um, go to the head teacher's office a few times and share with him what God had laid on her heart. So my sister 
was like, oh, like, he doesn't even know me. How is it going to be received? But anyway, she, she managed to get enough courage and she went. And every time the guy would say yes, the head teacher would say yes to prayer. And he, was, he often shared it with the other teachers in the school. It was amazing. Um, long story short, at the end of the school year, this uh, man actually made a commitment to follow Jesus. Um, and he's still at the early stages and he's still questioning, questioning a lot. But God has his attention in a new way. And it was all birthed through prayer and obedience. So when it comes to um, bringing about God's kingdom here on earth, we are God's A plan. We're God's A plan. God has given us a body and he's placed us in a particular place because there's people around us that he wants to experience him. And he uses us to carry his presence, to carry his um, authority and his goodness and his love into the environments. Um, he wants us to call down his power around, around where we are. What an amazing responsibility. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, said, God does nothing on earth except in response to believing prayer. He's claiming that God doesn't do a single thing um, without our involvement, which, whoa, that is a challenge to me. Um, when God wants to see transformation in someone's life, he will motivate you to pray. And in, your, in response to your prayer, he'll pour out his power. When God wants to bless someone, he'll motivate someone else to be that blessing. He's moved through us and through our prayers to bring about his will here on earth. We're called to carry his presence and authority with us wherever we go to partner with him in what he's already doing. If we want to see revival in our neighborhood, in our city, in our nation, we need to be a praying people. What would it look like for our work colleagues, our neighbors, um, our parents, to the people in society that we might least expect to come to know God, to come to know God? What would it look like to see healthy, thriving people, free of fear, free of mental health problems, free of sickness, walking and living life to the full? It says in the book of John, um, Jesus says, I came to give you life and life in all its fullness. What would that look like walking here around Battersea? What would it look like to see people living life in all their fullness? Prayer can often take persistence, perseverance, and patience. Living in a world which expects everything super quickly, fast food, Uber Eats, Amazon next day delivery, credit cards, buy things before you even have the cash. We can so easily think that if we're praying and we're not seeing breakthrough, that God is not working, he's not hearing us, he's not on the move. But know that if God has laid it on your heart, he is working. God is not in a rush, he's in it for the long haul. We need to be in it for the long haul. We need to learn that often perseverance, it, com it comes with um, intercession, relentlessly praying, saying, Jesus, we are not satisfied with what we see, crying out for more of his kingdom to come. The next one says, intercession doesn't need to be heavy. Yes, intercession, it will be serious and it will be intense and it will be heavy and and. 
Um, God will break your heart for what breaks his, and that is good. Like, allow a breaking of your heart to connect to his, because, yeah, that does feel intercession, but it doesn't always need to be like that. Intercession can be so fun. It can be so fun. And in Nehemiah 8.10, it says, The joy of the Lord is your strength, and there is so much power in joy. And I have had so much fun over the last few years, prayer walking Soho, getting to know God in a completely different way. Like, he is so fun. He's so fun. Um, And yes, I walk the streets of Soho, and my heart can feel heavy by what I see with my earthly eyes. But there's so much hope, and it's so important to keep going back. I think when you're prayer walking and when you're interceding, like, God what do you say? Like, give me your eyes for this situation and allow hope to come and pray through a place of hope. What is his lens for this situation? And yes, if you do things, feel things really deeply um, and you are in a moment of like real pain and intercession, allow it, allow it, but then know, okay, I'm stepping out of this now. I'm stepping out of this and I'm stepping back into the fullness because we're not, we're called to live a, a life that isn't heavy and light. So give that burden over to God once you've prayed through it. Okay, learn how the Holy Spirit intercedes through you. It says in Romans 8, 26 to 27, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes through us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Um... Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. How amazing is that? When we don't even know what to pray, the Holy Spirit, he gives us those words and he prays through us. And like know that as you intercede, the Holy Spirit will be interceding through us all so uniquely. And like get to know, get to know what that is. It might be, um, it might be that you cry. Like I have moments of just in prayer meetings, um, just crying. I'm not even sad, but I just cry. And then suddenly the crying will lift and I'll be like, okay, great. That, that's that bit of intercession done. It might be, um, it might be dancing. It might be movement. Another thing I often do is just like walk up and down and just know the motion. It's shifting something in the atmosphere. Um, I was talking to one of my friends and she said that she really intercedes through baking and just feeling, feeling the mixture and I don't quite know, but just something about like <laughs> baking. So, <laughs> guys, you've got permission to have fun with intercession. Find out how the Holy Spirit works and intercedes through you. Um, yeah. And, and allow time for that. Allow time for that. Um, spend time with Jesus. Just started running an alpha course um, with some of the girls from the, the strip clubs, and it's so it's so awesome, honestly, like only Jesus. And um, when we were prayer walking um, Soho in preparation of this, we were standing outside one of the clubs, and I felt God whisper to me, what would it look like for the next alpha to be with the men, to be with the owners, um, the DJs, the security, the managers? And when we, uh, when we slow ourselves down and spend time with God, we hear the whispers of his heart and we dream for what could be. So slow down enough to hear Jesus' whispers. Allow Jesus to cultivate a heart of compassion in you. Yeah, let's still ourselves to hear those secrets um, for his people, his world, and let's connect with it. 
The number, on, the number one emotion that Jesus felt, it was compassion. He was moved, his heart was moved for the multitudes. And that is the thing that changes us the most when we actually connect with God and his heart. And yes, through prayer and intercession, we will see amazing things happen. We'll see people come in to know who God is and his goodness. We'll see amazing miracles. But the most important thing is that we feel and touch Jesus' heart for his city, for his people, for his creation. Church shouldn't just be an organization with a plan and a strategy. It should be people who feel what Jesus feels. And that is what the world is aching for. Jesus to be expressed through the church, through us. And get in sync. Gather with other Christians. Pray together. Yes, there's so much power when we intercede by ourselves. And I love interceding by myself best because I can just go crazy and it doesn't matter. But also there is so much power when we gather and intercede with others. Jesus says, if two of you or more are gathered together and agree in my name, then it will be done here um, on earth. So gather together. So for us, what would it look like to get to the office tomorrow 10 minutes early to go in and say, God, may your kingdom come in here today. We want to see you come. What would it look like to commit to praying for one of your colleagues or your neighbors that they would come to know life in all its fullness and come to know how loved they are by God? Guys, we've got a secret weapon, and it's prayer. We walk into a room, and the atmosphere changes um, because of who is inside of us. And we get, when we pray, we get to see God's power being released. Now, we don't need to radically change the rhythms of our life. We don't need to spend all night in prayer, like in Ibiza, in the prayer room. Um, we just need to infuse intensity and intentionality. So this could be saying every time I hang out with a group of friends at a weekend or after work, let's spend the last five to ten minutes praying together and agreeing to see change and transformation in some of our other friends. It could be going to the house of prayer or a Tuesday morning prayer meeting on your way home from work or way to work. Or it could be saying, actually, this lunchtime, one lunchtime a week, Wednesday, let's pick Wednesday, Wednesday lunchtime, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do a prayer walk around my borough and I'm going to pray with your heart, God. Now, intercession, it's such, it's such a beautiful thing, and there are so many facets to it, and we've only had a short time to just skim the surface this morning, but my prayer is that as I've spoken, that the Holy Spirit would have stirred inside of each of us a desire to pray more, a desire to connect to him more in a deeper way, um, and a fresh realization of the power, um, the incredible power, the incredible gift, and the necessity of intercession um, yeah. So I'm going to welcome the worship team back up. Um, I'm going to get everyone just to, to stand up. And we're just, we're just going to spend a moment connecting with this.
Okay, we're going to spend some time praying now. Praying for, yeah, praying for um, our city. Praying for people that we want to come to know God. So as the worship team pray, I just want to encourage us that actually we're going to just gather in twos and threes around us because there's so much power when we pray together. There's so much power when we stand together. And so if you just want to turn into twos and, twos and threes around, um, and let's, let's start by praying for our city. Let's start for praying, praying for God's kingdom to come here in our city. Guys, we live in London, which is the capital of the UK, which is such an influential city in the world. Guys, we get to stand on the ground of London. So let's really pray for God's fire to fall. Um, yeah. Come on. Come on, God. Jesus, we love you. We love you and we lift up our city. And I pray, I pray, God, that as we stand and as we pray, that you will lay specific things on our heart right now, Father. Whether it's for mental health, Father, whether it's for homeless, Father, whether it's for the elderly, whether it's for the sick, Father, whether it's for the next generation that is rising up, I pray that as we spend these few minutes now, God, you would lay something on each of our hearts. And as we stand and we pray together, um, yeah, that we'd see more of your kingdom come. So just ask God what it is that you, he wants you to pray into and then just, just pray it out with each other. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.